What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your show reviews, concert photos, latest going-ons in the rock and metal world. And with me, as always, is Daniel Terry. How are you doing this evening? Oh, man, I'm doing pretty good. It's, uh, it's one of those weird seasons right now here in Missouri where it can't decide what season it actually is outside. Is it winter? Is it... Is it is it spring? Is it uh, you know middle of the summer? You don't know, and sometimes you don't know like throughout the course of a single day. Sounds like Michigan as well. Yeah, they're just us us temperate uh, <laughs> Midwesterners. Uh, yeah, man. Like you just you really kind of never know. Life's like rolling a, rolling some dice, man. Or die? Is that the pluralization of it? I guess so. <laughs> it's what it makes you want to do. That's what the <laughs> we're talking about. It does, man. My sinuses are like, dude, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. Um, this episode's guest, speaking of, uh, well, there's really no great fucking segue for that, so. <laughs> this episode's guest is Frank Finelli. He returns. Uh, he is actually back now with The World We Knew. Uh, they are reuniting, playing two shows out in New York. First show is on December 6th with uh, Dr. Acula uh, reuniting uh, after a while. I was going to say, I didn't know those guys were still around. Uh, no, they're reuniting. Uh, Bellicus, okay. Last Perfection, Without Remorse, and I think there's a few others. Oh, nope, that's it. And uh, day two on December 7th, which is a Saturday, is uh, Dr. Acula as well, the OG lineup, Bellicus. Uh, we got Roseblood and Is Iscariot. I don't think that's Iscariot. Right. Sure, that sounds about right. All right. Um... So yeah, so that'll be really cool. Uh, unbeknownst to Frank, uh, Bridget and I are going to New York to go see that Saturday show. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we we looked it up, and I was like, I mean, <laughs> this sounds really stupid, but it was like, well, I mean, tickets are really cheap, and uh, it's on a Saturday, so I mean, like, probably go to that show. I was just going to sit in my front lawn in my underpants, but I mean, there's a show. Well, I mean, you know, Bridget and I have traveled very far uh, to go see friends' bands play and reunite. Like, we went to Rhode Island on a random uh, trip after going to Denver to go see the Case of Raw Guys uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, do their farewell show. Uh, we have, yeah, we've gone all over to see a lot of bands. Um, so, I mean, it's funny. It's, it's one of those, like, I, I saw the other day the uh, that uh, Poison the Well is doing the opposite of December show out in la and i was like oh man that'd be yeah. really cool and then i was like oh but the tickets and the, the cost of the show and all that <laughs> yeah you could you could have seen poison the well play opposite of december back when it came out for like 10 bucks and there was probably like a bunch of other amazing bands out on the bill <laughs> yeah i mean maybe there will be on this one i mean my comical romance is bringing <laughs> they're basically bringing jersey to la but <laughs> with thursday <laughs> opening up but still um no i'm, I'm kind of excited We've uh, I've never been to New York, uh, so I know we're only going to be there for a, a hot minute. Um, basically, to, we're getting in the day of the show uh, that Frank's uh, playing uh, on that Saturday, December seventh. Uh, I don't really know what we're doing leading up to the show, and like I said, I've been told Frank, which has been really hard. I've actually seen him a couple <laughs> a couple of times, and I was just like, I almost slipped uh, when I saw him when he was uh, on the uh, Rancid Pennywise tour that he we were talking about the show, and I was like, oh, how's the show been doing, like ticket sales wise? And he's like, oh, it's you know about half sold out and blah 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 and i was like oh and i started to say something and then i was like oh uh uh and i had to like backtrack real quick because i was like oh yeah I, you don't know that we're coming so um it's it's been really hard not to post anything about like hey friends who have been to this area of new york what the fuck is there to do 
<laughs> right. Because <laughs> uh, it'll be pretty obvious that we're, we're coming to the show. But I figure at this point, this is coming out uh, right before the show, uh, the week of the show, I believe, if my, my timeline is correct. So Frank can know at that point that we're coming to the show. Maybe we'll get that VIP preferential treatment. What is the furthest you've ever traveled for a show? Well, uh, that's a hard one. Uh, I guess the big question is, does it could it be a show that I played? Or sure. does it have to be just as a fan? Do both. We'll each do both. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I would say as far as California. Okay. To not get paid any money. <laughs> I don't remember the name of the town, and I don't care to remember. But um, in, mo- in most recent memory, let's see. Um, I went and saw Opeth in Chicago, which wasn't that far from St. Louis, like maybe three hours, four hours. Um, I drove to Indianapolis last year to see Zayo, which is about four hours. And then um, I drove down to Nashville to see Zayo three months before that. Um, You can see a common theme here. Uh, That was like a five and a half hour drive. I've only driven. I've never, I've never bought plane tickets to go see a band. Let's see. I have the furthest I went when I played in a band. We drove ten and a half hours to Greenbrier, Tennessee, to play in front of five people and get paid fifteen dollars. <laughs> okay, that, so you have the you've got the same story I do. Okay, yeah, that I don't know if I've ever told the story on the podcast. So yeah, we ended up going and playing that show. Uh, I know I've told this part of the story where the the place didn't have thirty packs of beer. They didn't know what that was. Uh, some oh no, some hick kid was like, as soon as we get out of the van or not even out of the van, we had our van broke down, so we took our our singers for escape five of us um <laughs> and a U-Haul, rented u-haul trailer um but <laughs> we get out of this van or out of this fort escape and basically this kid this like think of the like, no regrets character kid from uh uh whatever the, the meet the meet the johnson's movie oh boy and this kid like we get out and he's like are y'all enormosaurus are y'all <laughs> are y'all y'all from michigan y'all like icp and i was like fuck man i I didn't just drive ten and a half hours to have that be the first thing I've heard. <laughs> See, here's the deal, though. Like for me, where I live, that's every ICP fan where I live. So when people are like, you know, Dan, why do you hate on ICP and their fans so much? That that's kind of why. Um, what what I what I didn't know is that there are plenty of of, of totally upstanding fine people that like ICP. Oh, absolutely. But uh, yeah, so we ended up playing the show. Uh, it was us, a band from Memphis that I don't remember that was pretty solid, uh, and said kid that greeted us when we got there uh, basically was like, oh, we're opening for you guys. Me and some other dudes that work here decided to be a band earlier this week. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. uh, when I say they were a band, I meant that uh, it was like three people. I think it was a drummer. The, the kid was the vocalist, and the other person was the vocalist, but the other kid was too scared to look at anybody, so he had his back <laughs> to us uh and the they had since it was like rap stuff they had uh backing a ton of backing track things for like the beats and so forth but they didn't know how to use the machine so it just kept playing this like weird crickety type noise that they didn't know how to turn off so it just kept going um it was terrible um but you know it's that thing like where it's it's too it's so it's so bad that it becomes amazing that you're like i can't believe this exists um and one of the dudes in the band was black so that's and that's integral because they had quote unquote merch where they just bought like walmart like starters uh like mesh shorts and a generic like uh t-shirt and they spray painted wow. spray painted 
uh, like with letters on it or whatever. And I, I don't remember the exact thing it said, but it was like something to the effect of like Greenbrier and word something or other. Like, <laughs> like I was like, whoa, like I need that. <laughs> so they were just like, like I asked like, oh, are you guys selling that? And they're like, no, you can have it. And I was like, all right, yeah, like I, I need, no one's going to believe me. <laughs> so I need something <laughs> to prove. I got to remember this. Yeah. yeah. And then, so the, the quote unquote promoter of the coffee house was like, well, you guys stole their merch, so like I'm not paying you. And we're like, dude, you owe us a hundred bucks. And he's like, no, no one came, and and you stole that other band's merch. I go, it had the N word spray painted on it, and they're white with one black dude. I don't think that the and that's not even merch that gave it to me. <laughs> it didn't right, have it for sale. Yeah, it wasn't even for sale. It just was like they had it out. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, I... <laughs> it you was stole just a... it from us. Yeah, it was a very weird experience. Uh, as far as the furthest I've ever traveled for a band, um, I would definitely say probably California as well. We went to go see uh, 18 Visions uh, when they did those small run of uh, sort of reunion shows out that way uh, and supported the last yeah. record. Um, yeah, I would say that was the furthest I've gone. Although when I went to Seattle to go see a friend of mine, um, <laughs> coincidentally... Uh, you know, I make tons of friends that are all in the music industry and such, and I saw that one of my friends happened to be in Portland, and I was like, yo, dude, what are you doing here? Like, let's fucking hang out. And he goes, oh, I'm on this prong tour. Uh, do you guys want to come to the show? Like, prong goes on in about 35 minutes. Uh, huh. and, and I was like, well, I mean, I'm here with friends. Like, it's not just me and my wife. And he goes, so there's four of you? What's the problem? Come on out. Um, and then so, like, we had only been in Portland for maybe, like, 30 minutes. And I was like, hey, you guys want to go to this show for free? And then, right. like, everyone's like, of course you know someone here after you've never, ever, ever been in Portland. And I was like, whatever. It's a free show. It's prong. Fuck you guys. Right. <laughs> so That's hilarious. I've uh, I've seen plenty of bands from all over, but I'm very excited to go uh, back to the East Coast and, and listen to a lot of East Coast metal uh, in a couple of weeks. And you might, and you may or may not have, uh, you know, had an interview with somebody from Prong. Yeah, you know, I might have turned around and made uh, Tommy Victor a Prong a fan of this podcast. Uh, but I mean, hey. you'll have to stay tuned for that. Let's figure that out. Yep. And speaking of staying tuned, let's get into my conversation with Frank Finelli, and we will talk to you afterwards. <laughs> So the pleasure this uh, early afternoon of talking to Frank Finelli, uh, formerly and now currently again vocalist for the world we knew. No, I always want to make it a past tense thing because of the uh, fact that they no longer they didn't exist for a while. But uh, here we are. You are bringing the band back. Uh, I think if everything is correct on social media, 2020 is when uh, we can expect to hear some new music, right? New music, maybe before that. Okay. Uh, yeah, we. I'm not going to say we're deep into it yet. We're not super deep into it, but we, we'll probably re try to release something before we do our uh, our comeback shows, which is still to be announced. But it's before the end of this year. Shows, as in more than one, it sounds like. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, I didn't know if like because sometimes uh, you know I, I know from 
some of my friends' bands that have kind of gone away and they, they do reunion shows and so forth. Uh, sometimes they'll end up doing kind of like an earlier show, you know, because sometimes, you know, some of us are old now. we got kids and can't make it out as late. And they try to, you know, do the like a matinee show and then they'll do kind of a, another one a couple hours later or, you know, in another town. Um, and I don't know if that's a great idea to, to try to get as much done in one day as you can uh, or if it's uh, very ambitious but just not very practical from a, a load-up, setup and tear-down uh, perspective. I've, I've done that once where we played two shows in uh, back-to-back in, like, one day, and it was horrible. <laughs> it, it hurt. It hurt so bad. Everything hurt so much worse than what it usually does after just one show. And that was when I was playing full-time. So I can't even imagine what I would feel like now if I tried to play two shows in one day. I think I'd probably die. You don't think all your years of being on the road and, and helping, uh, you know, do setups and all that kind of stuff with your crew, you wouldn't be uh, more... Uh, professional in the setup and, and all that and the execution of it? Professional and getting older are two different things. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I like to think that they're the same. They go hand in hand. My body doesn't work in my 30s as well as it did when uh, I was in my early 20s. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, kind of speaking to, you know, I, I kind of wanted to hit on, obviously, you know, it's been quite a while probably since you've done shows in that regard or even really played. I know you did a couple, uh, I'm thinking outside of the New England Metal Fest. Uh, I think you, you've only done like maybe three shows with, uh, um, man, I'm just totally blanking, uh, with, um, what the fuck? <laughs> you, got, you got this. Yeah. Um, Are we talking about my other, the other band that I was in? Yeah, no, Oath. I was thinking of Oath. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, because yeah, in my head I kept thinking of Oathbreaker, and I was like, nope, it's not Oathbreaker. It's uh, it's something else, and the, the logo is like a, a nice hammer on the thing, and, and I was like, I can see it. I can see the album that's sitting in Bridget's car still. Uh, what the fuck is it called? Oh, yeah, Oath. There it is. Yeah, Oath was, Oath was cool. Um, I just got extremely busy with uh, just tour managing and getting better jobs in that regard. But uh, to, to answer your question, I think we did – we did, we did a bunch of festivals, but we didn't do too many small club shows. I think that was your question. I don't even know. Yeah. No, it was just basically, you know, the fact that you, you haven't really even played shows in general uh, as of late. Just, oh, uh, yeah. That, you know, yeah. are you so, in show shape uh, to do some of these things? You think, like, what is, you know, you're, you're 30 now, uh, and it's been a little while since you, you maybe have played some of these songs and so forth. You know, just kind of, uh, I was thinking about, have you thought about what it's going to feel like? playing some of these songs that you wrote when you were, you know, how a youth. Yeah. I, so <laughs> I've grown accustomed to going to the gym recently, which is nice. Uh, <laughs> my, my roommate's training to be a personal trainer or something along those lines. So, um, she doesn't force me. I very much go with her cause I want to. Uh, so I'm, and this was before the comeback was even like a thing. Uh, so I'm feeling, I'm, I feel pretty good. Uh, I do, I do a little bit of cardio here and there, but I'll probably ramp it up like once we start announcing, uh, like when the comeback shows are, but yeah, I mean, I haven't played, so we recorded a couple of songs, um, like demoed out some songs like two weeks ago for the first time. And that was the first time I picked up a microphone in three years, almost to the day. And, uh, I wasn't playing show of course, but my, I mean, everything definitely felt different. It's kind of like riding a bike, but the bike had like a flat tire. <laughs> so, so it was, I mean, everything sat like when I got into the groove, everything sounded good and I felt good. And I, I was very pleased with my results. But, um, I mean, the first like 20 minutes I was there, I was like, Oh man, this is, this is not, 
good. <laughs> it's just, it's a lot of muscle memory and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing it again. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's going to be tough because it's not like we're going to do a comeback show and play 20 minute set. It's going to be an hour long set or, or more, whatever it may be. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm, I'm training for it in, in different ways. Uh, and then once I actually sit down with the band and practice, that'll be a whole nother ballgame. You know, something that's been kind of interesting about this um, whole thing really is, you know, how very behind the scenes everything uh, I think you were probably doing that a lot of us weren't aware of that. I mean, just getting your masters back, getting everything ready to, to be launched uh all at one time on social or not social medias, I'm sorry, on, you know, streaming services and so forth. What was that process like? And what really made you want to kind of take on the, that task and those responsibilities all this, all these years later? I knew that there's still kids all over the place that fans, I'm not going to call them kids. They're probably older now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, there, there was a lot of fans that always hit me up and asked me, uh, the CD you're talking about is, is to the wolves. Uh, we released that in 2009 on Stillbone Records, which is uh, Josta's label from Hatebreed. Uh, they always asked me like where it was online because you couldn't find it. It wasn't on Spotify. It wasn't on iTunes. It wasn't on Amazon Music or any of that shit. So um, after just a while of them asking me, because I'm not listening to my own music very often, uh, at least especially when I wasn't trying to do the world we knew anymore, um, it just bombard me with the question i was like after a while i just was like what, what, yeah what the fuck is that all about like why isn't it here or why isn't it there why can't you find it so i hit up uh jamie and i just asked and uh whatever he had his own he had his own thing that's why they took it down or or stillborn you know went away whatever it was but um basically i just got sick of hearing <laughs> and I, you know i don't I, you know when you're when you're when you're proud or something like that it's you want it to be accessible to whoever wants to listen to it. Uh, and I took matters in my own hands. I talked to the right people and we got, we got the ability to do it again. Um, so I wanted to do it on the exact day it was released 10 years ago, which was June 30th, 2009. Uh, and I achieved that. We, I talked to Tom who was one of the original guitar players before Tim was even involved. And, um, we just, you know, discussed maybe, you know, maybe doing this again, maybe just doing a 10 year reunion show uh, or a, not a 10 year reunion, 10 year anniversary of that record. And then we were like, well, this is actually the 15th year the band has been in existence. So do you want to just do something for fun? And then, you know, it kind of snowballed from there. The thing that's kind of interesting about this to me, you know, in our first chat we did, you know, God, I mean, it's been almost three years, I think, since I've done that one. Um, I could probably seriously, pull up, yeah, I was, I probably could pull up the date on iTunes actually, but I don't know, I don't know if that actually will give me the the real date that it came out or the date that I started importing everything over to, uh, over to uh, iTunes and so forth. I mean, That's so long. <laughs> I mean, I know I've been doing this podcast for just about three years. I started it in like. Uh, October ish or so of 2017. So let's uh, let me see. Let's see what iTunes will tell me. December six, December six of 2016 is when I posted our chat. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's that's funny. So you know <laughs> I something didn't, I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah. So the the interesting thing about that to me is I, I kind of was thinking about our chat a while ago. You know just how you know 
real and open you kind of got. And I think at that point, you know, you were really in the, I'm not going to say the beginning phases of your, your tour managing career or anything like that, but I definitely think it was when it was starting to take, uh, you were starting to get a lot bigger gigs more consistently and becoming more busier in that, that realm. And listening to you kind of talk about the band and kind of the sense of like, you know, I just kind of realized like I, I couldn't, I couldn't do the band anymore. It was this thing I really literally went all in on. Like I, I believe so much in myself and this band. And these are the things that I went through to, to make that happen, you know, like leaving school and all that kind of stuff. And there seemed to be a little bit of, from my perspective, a little bit of a, a bitterness or resentment, you know, that you see other people that were maybe not as good or not as, uh, uh, willing uh, to to do the things that they needed to do, but had more opportunities than you, as far as the band thing goes. And so I kind of you know wondering now, in that three year uh, change or in that three year period where you know from then to now, has your perspective on on any of that kind of changed at all? Ah, oh, that's a that's a good question. <laughs> I my priorities were very. The last time we spoke uh, in this capacity. Uh, my priorities were very, very in line with just building my career as a tour manager or doing merch or professionally and all that, you know, behind the scenes kind of stuff. Because, yes, it, it did take off pretty well after the War We Knew ended in 2013. And um, I was very bitter about it because, you know, it's still all I ever wanted to do. And three years ago, it's still when I was trying to play in Oath and do that, not full time necessarily, but, you know, we were trying to do things as a, you know, a band that could potentially, I'm not going to say make it, but you know what I mean? Make it again, do, do the damn thing. Um, so now three years after that conversation, uh, I have deep rooted, you know, jealousy issues with certain things from the past, but it's, I don't look at it that way anymore because I'm not trying to do this as my number one anymore. Um, I'm just, I'm pretty, I'm pretty realistic about it. Um, there's definitely a, there's definitely a select group of fans that are like extremely excited that this is happening, but I know that six, six years in the music industry is, is like, (laughs) it's, it's like we're practically starting from scratch again, uh, but with a with a fan base that's there, but they're older, and you know, it's it's the young it's the young people that really spread the word about shit. So now it's like it's starting all over again. But I know that this isn't going to be some huge wake up call, like oh shit, I have to change my life again. I have to do this. We have to tour, and we have to do this and that. So I'm not super bitter about what happened, um, as far as just us working really hard and not getting to the point where I thought we deserved to be because the music industry doesn't owe us anything. The people that run the music industry don't owe us anything. Do I think we should have maybe had a couple opportunities? Yeah. Uh, but doing what I've done for the past six years since this band has been gone and that's with working with some of the managers that I'm not going to say screwed us over because nobody screwed us over, but working with some of the managers that worked for us back in the day or the agents or whatever, now doing what I do in the tour management world and, and dealing with different managers and agents and seeing the grand scheme of things for other bands, I understand the reasoning why certain things didn't work out the way they did for our band. Um, and I just, I just see it from a different light now. And uh, that has helped me grow different um, relationships with different people that I didn't have before, didn't have when the band was around. And 
it's it's pretty cool because now I might be able to take it to a different heights in different ways just from understanding what we did wrong in the past, if that makes any sense. No, it totally does. And that's actually something I kind of wanted to hit on is given the fact of what you've done and the connections you've made throughout the industry, the music industry as a whole between, you know, various promoters, various managers, publicists, and so forth that you have to deal with, you know, your day in and day out now for your, what you do. If it's made you think about when starting to, to want to do this again with the world we knew, if it was thinking about it more tactically and, and kind of looking at it more as a, I don't necessarily want to say a financial uh, plan, but more of a, a, a thought-out plan as a whole, like a business plan of this is what needs to happen. These things need to, to fall into place first. Then we'll kind of see where it goes. If there's interest and there's these other things that fall into place, then you know we'll keep kind of going from there. And you're looking at it more logically as opposed to more emotionally. Yeah. I. This is all I ever had from 2004 to 2013 there was no backup plan there was no nothing it was like if this fails i don't know what the fuck i'm doing and now it's just not like that now um i'm not like we haven't announced who's in the band yet or anything like that but myself and one of our original guitar players is in the band um we just we sat down and it was basically like well we both have careers now um we can absolutely afford to do this not full time. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess, I guess we could full time, but you know, that'll dwindle down when you're not really making money the way you should. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, um, it's like, we can absolutely afford to do this. If we want to do a tour, we can fucking rent a van. That's not going to break down on us 14 times in a row. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that shit that we didn't have. A- yeah. That shit we didn't have access to even six years ago or beyond or, you know, before that. Um, so we just sat down and said, this is, this is the way we should do it if we want to do it again. And, um, yeah, everything is, it's, it's a, it's a whole different game plan. It's a whole different game plan than it was when we were like thinking about writing a fourth record back before we broke up. Uh, you know, we pitched some things to different labels or managers, whatever, and it didn't work out. And uh, going back to our, you know, 10 minutes ago when I said I was, I was bitter, I was super bitter because I thought songs were cool and this, like the other thing. But now it's just like, I don't, I, I don't give a shit. I, re- I really don't. We're going to write some sick, some shit that we think is really sick. And if, uh, you know, if somebody wants to put it out, then awesome. If they don't, well then cool. We'll reap the benefits of it from the people that want to buy it and stream it and whatever. And so be it. But uh, it's just not our number one anymore. Everything is very, very strategically planned uh, so far by ourselves. We're not bringing anybody outside in just yet. Um, so until we demo some stuff out that's ready to be maybe shopped around or whatever, uh, right now we're keeping it just to ourselves and uh, making some cool plans that will benefit us in 2020 when we decide to release a record. So two things, and we've kind of touched on these things, but they're, they kind of go hand in hand, but they're, they kind of go in completely different directions as far as a question goes, potentially. Um, so obviously when you started the band, you know, you were, you were young, you were like high school aged and now you're, a, you know, 30 with a career and you, you have not done a band thing in writing capacity, probably in a, a couple of years at least. So when you kind of were listening probably to, you know, an Out Came the Wolves record 
probably just in preparation for for <laughs> sorry not that was, uh, yeah that was uh ransom i i wish we wrote that record <laughs> sorry i'm at, i'm going like i still have my itunes shit popped up and that's like one of the things on my uh on my iTunes playlist. <laughs> so I was like, that's the problem I have with like looking at shit is I tend to read what I'm thinking as I'm talking. And I'm like, yeah, that's close to what I was thinking. So, uh, this thing. So actually I'm going to put this down. So I don't, you know, uh, put up the, uh, a new level podcast or any of the other podcasts that are also in my queue. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things thinking about that record and when you were probably writing it and so forth. And I know we had this conversation when you were initially writing oath stuff too, where you kind of were making the same analogy about, you know, it's kind of like riding a bike. It, it's kind of, you know, activating a part of your brain that you, you haven't really used as much as you were. And so I'm kind of thinking, you know, when you're listening back to that record, probably getting it prepped for, for everything for a vinyl, uh, release and all this kind of other stuff. Did you kind of look at it a little bit differently than maybe or thinking about it differently than when you had kind of written all these things? And to the other side of it, as you're starting to write stuff for it, are you... Are you talking about a new, a new record? Yeah, the demos that you're working on at okay. this point. Gotcha, gotcha. Have you... Does the does the band or maybe the lyrical themes and ideas that you want to put across, are they kind of more in line with what you know you're you're thinking back then as a, as a, a kid uh or are you kind of like interested to is it interesting to kind of see how far you've come as a person just in writing uh for what the band is you know because i always think that's interesting when you when you look at you know a band's discography someone that's been around for a while and kind of seeing the growth and progression of their their writing uh their their vocabulary their you know the things that they were going through and so forth but sometimes there's still a theme like I think Atreyu is a great example. Everyone loves the curse, but the curse is kind of out of the rest of the the discography is really the outlier because it's the only one that kind of talks about, you know, the imagery that's used in it is kind of the only one that is used uh, on that record. But I think Alex and Brandon have a, a very uh, good sense of uh, words and, and vocabulary and so forth and, and melodies and, and all that kind of stuff that there's kind of a theme across their whole discography if you really pay attention I know you have a little bit more of a selected discography, but it does make me wonder if, you know, you've kind of noticed things that you were writing about consistently before, and if some of those are, are kind of present on what you've begun began to write, or if you're like, wow, I, I've, I've really grown as a songwriter and as a lyricist and all that kind of stuff, and that you're taking the band and yourself to a, a higher elevated level. I, uh, I never, I've never stopped writing. It's a matter of will I ever use these words? You know what uh, I mean? Okay. Uh, I uh, the, so I wrote. I had a full song in my head for I don't even know how long. Uh, two, two to be exact, actually, full written out lyrically and also musically. I just needed somebody to put them, you know, uh, put the music out and record it, so I could then record my vocals over it. But I've had the same two songs in my head, I don't know how long, maybe since right after where we broke up, and I just never brought it to light. <clears throat> and both of them, one is very, like, a very nostalgic feel to it. Like, cause I, I, I have this weird, I'm, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if it's an issue or whatever. I just, I, uh, I'm a very nostalgic person when it comes to just uh, getting older and then remembering, like, all of my firsts of, of, whether it's in music or whether it's girls or growing up and doing things for the first time. I don't know what it is, but one's about that. And the most recent one I wrote about is basically how much of a failure I felt like uh, towards the end of the world we knew. So 
now as the world we do is back, it's kind of like a look into my head on how I felt towards the end of that era. And I'm hoping that the CD itself, this is, you know, the whole CD is not written at all, but I'm hoping that I can write it to where I'm out of that funk. And now here we are blossoming into a new chapter of this, of the life of this band. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know if it's, if, if my, my ability to be a lyricist is growing or whatever, but um, if you look over just the three full lengths that we have, I mean, I've always felt like somewhat of an underdog and this is probably not going to be any different (laughs) to be completely honest with you. I, yeah, I think uh, it's just interesting. I think the thing that's interesting about it to me is, you know, whereas a lot of bands will have time to, you know, it's, it's that cliche, you know, you put out a record, you tour it, you put out a record, you tour it. So there's a bit of consistency in that because you're, you're constantly, for those kind of bands and so forth, you're able to kind of see like, oh, this song really worked or, you know, this part of a song works really well in a live capacity. And so maybe you're thinking about some of the experiences and interactions you've had in that capacity to inform and kind of steer where a lyric or a melody or a song is going to go for the next thing. But you guys have had, I don't know if it's a luxury or if it's um, kind of a, a, a... a curse uh the fact that you you've had all this time off to where it's either i think gonna be the ability to kind of really hone in and perfect exactly what you want and it's almost kind of like a first record you have all the time in the world to write that first record because no one is expecting anything from you and i'm wondering if it's kind of that same thing where all this time off has really allowed you to kind of uh put your best foot forward with what you're going to present uh, to fans long time and potentially new, which I think is also kind of another facet to this. That's interesting is there's so many people that know you as, you know, cat brand cat clothing, Frank or Frank from tours and so forth, (laughs) but they don't know this side of you. And that's something we had kind of touched on too. in the first chat is, you know, I definitely didn't know you as Frank from the world we knew. I knew you as Frank, you know, tour manager. Uh, And so it's interesting to kind of, I think, think about that perspective of self uh, for you when doing this record as well is that you're potentially going to be opening yourself to a whole new audience that doesn't really know you in this capacity. Yeah, this is, when you say it's kind of like a first record again, it's, it's, it's absolutely like that. And it's, uh, it's kind of confusing um, just because I, I don't, I haven't had to feel that way in a long time since 2007, technically. Um, well, I guess with Oath, but we, you know, that's a, that's a whole different thing because we were a brand new band. Um, with this, I'm telling you where I've, I've absolutely paid attention to the trends or whatever over the years, uh, especially since we broke up and we've never been that way. We never really, we were never really a death core band. We were never like, uh, uh, metal oh God, I'm straight ahead. No, yeah, I mean, we were a metal band, a metalcore band. We've always been somewhat of a metalcore band, but I, I'm not trying to fill any uh, not trying specific to check the boxes or anything. Yeah, I'm not trying to fill any specific mold. I definitely know what works and what has worked in the past. Um, so we're 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 gonna stick to our our same general feel especially of the older stuff like of exordium time frame uh because that's the guitar player that we're using you know tom uh he wrote the entire exordium record which is our first record uh 
there, there's definitely going to be a, the same feel of the older style of War We Knew, but it doesn't mean that we're going to write the same kind of songs. We're, I, I have a, a definite different mindset now than I did back then as far as lyrically and what fits where and why it fits and what's going to work in a live setting and why, why people are going to want to hear the song over and over again. That's very different than what it was back then. So I'm pretty excited to, to, to work with that. Plus, um, some of the other musicians that are in our band are, are mus- just that they're musicians from other bands. Some of them aren't, some of them are, and they're bringing a whole new flavor to it. So it's, it's a lot of different, it's a lot of different, uh, minds working together, which is something we haven't done in a very, very long time. Something, you know, as we're kind of slowly winding down on this, uh, cause we don't need a two hour marathon like last time, <laughs> um, you know, something I was kind of thinking about is, you know, you through doing the tour managing, and especially I think it was on the, uh, I can't remember if the the podcast that you were a part of technically with Josta with the CKY dudes. I don't remember if that was a, yeah, that was Warp Tour. So they were on Warp Tour that year too. Okay, um, so trying to remember that, but I mean, like you know, obviously in, in dealing with Josta, you, I know you've done some stuff for him as far as like you know road work tour managing merch whatever uh, for the solo shows that he was doing. Obviously, have ties to him from him putting out the record. Uh, and so forth is, and I don't know how like the capacity of the dealings that you have had with him since you've kind of transitioned careers, but do, do you go to someone like him who is very, um, has his hands in a lot of pots and kind of try to get his, um, try to pick his brain a little bit as to how to maybe navigate this because you know obviously he does things with Josta and they aren't to the level of hate breed but it I feel like because of what he's doing with Josta it's sort of very similar to what you would try to be doing with this at this point could be wrong but I feel like that would be a good source of uh knowledge on how to best try to do to do this uh in this this landscape of you know social media now being what it is all these various platforms and and all these kind of things to be able to utilize someone that has worked with you before but is also working on his own thing kind of at the same level to make it as successful as it can be are you utilizing those kind of relationships i actually i actually don't want to work with anybody i've worked with before um and that's not that's not a dig on them at all. Um, it's just, a uh, maybe we may, you know what? I, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I say that, uh, our first label owner actually printed all of our merch for, <laughs> for, uh, Holy mountain. For, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of my very, very, very good friends his name is Danny. He, uh, owns Holy mountain printing. And, uh, I say, I don't want to work with anybody. That <laughs> in the past, but when I, when I say that, I mean, in a, like, uh, <laughs> in like a label capacity or management or, agent, whatever. Um, I just want to start completely fresh in a way where everything, everything is, is not new, but fresh. I just want us to be fresh. I want to make different decisions. I want to make better decisions just from all the knowledge that I've, that I've built up over the years of doing, or of, of just not being in a band, not being in a, in a full-time band, not being in a band that needs to make, you know, excuse me, like rash decisions. It's just, I I just want everything to be very, very fresh. Um, I've only reached out to one person who I won't mention because it's not, nothing's a done deal or anything. So I've only reached out to one person for sort of thoughts on the matter. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but it's somebody that I've never worked with before 
um, as far as behind the scenes goes, but, uh, we've, we've toured together. We've, we've been close for a while and, uh, I, you know, I value his opinion. So, um, we'll, we'll, we'll cross the bridge when we get there, but I don't, I do not want to just fall into the same old routine that I'm not going to say helped this band fail or whatever, because we didn't fail. It just didn't work the way we wanted it to over nine years. Um, I just want everything to be completely fresh. So we have a couple of different members. We have uh, no timeline. We have nothing that is going to force us into making a weird, bad decision. So, yeah. What uh, What is the biggest difference in getting ready to do this now versus when you started? That has just really like been like, holy shit, I didn't realize this was going to be this hard or maybe this easy, potentially. <laughs> Letting people know that we're back again. <laughs> I'm, dead, I'm dead serious. I can't even believe how much more difficult it is now than it was even in 2013 when we were breaking up. It's so much harder to get the the knowledge into people's heads that did know who we were that, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to do this again. Not like I said, we're not releasing a record next week or anything, but I would like people to know that already knew who the hell we were that we're back. You know what I mean? And that's, that's going to take some time. Uh, but obviously social media is a huge piece of that. It's just completely different. It's, it's, it's a learning curve all over again. I'm going to have to probably get a PR person, which I didn't have to deal with because we had a label to do all that shit. So it's, <laughs> that's, I think that's the number one most difficult thing now. And I definitely, definitely do not envy any new band trying to do this as a full gig. I don't envy what they have to go through to, to make sure they stand out in a specific way. I really don't. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's funny because I, I feel like with cat clothing and, and everything that you've done and, and the bands you work with and the things that you probably have to uh, probably help facilitate. I mean, now, I mean, a big thing with touring that I'm seeing, and it's funny because people make fun of me when I go to shows and, and I know like the photographers, the video, the tour photographers and so forth. And I'm like, oh, the, you know, there's a, you know, Matt Bender uh, who's out with Rivals and Scott Stapp and, you know, all these other fucking people. And people were like, how do you know the video guy? And I was like, I don't know. I like, I know a lot of people who don't, you know, aren't in the band, but are a huge integral part of making sure the show works uh, and the tour is successful. You know, there's, there's so many people behind the scenes that, you know, and I think you obviously are a major part of that. Like, I don't think people understand what a tour manager does, but it's a very integral part and you kind of have to know a little bit of everything to make sure that it's being done correctly and that everything, you know, aligns with getting the fucking show up and running. But I do think it's funny that there that's an avenue now because of content being king for all these social media things that a couple of years ago that wasn't anything anyone was looking for. And now I don't know how many band people I see like, yo, who's a good concert photographer who can put together like a, a quick like sizzle reel of sorts to put out once a week for the tour so we can constantly keep our fans engaged and make them want to come out to shows and make them know that we're still here and present. Yeah, that's why we put together um, – so I think the day was – June 30th or July 1st, June 30th was the 10 year anniversary of to the wolves. So I basically said that we were going to be putting it out on a uh, vinyl that day, which was now what, two months ago, uh, maybe to, maybe to the day, oh, almost to the day. 
Um, so, but July 1st, we put up that video that basically said it's a 60 second clip of just live clips of us from playing all over the world with kids going crazy. Obviously you don't want it to be a boring video, <laughs> but, uh, uh, it's a 60 second clip of me just talking over it saying what, what, uh, what we're going to do here. And, um, I could have just made a regular ass post that said, Hey, we're back. We're going to do shit in 2020. But I want it to be interesting and cool to watch. And if you can't take 60 seconds out of your day to watch a video, I mean, you're, you're crazy, but <laughs> it's, 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 it's definitely interesting seeing how much different content is now because yeah, I've already looked into, um, even flying certain people to our comeback shows to make sure that it's documented correctly. And that shit, I never fucking cared about. Well, we didn't have the money to do that shit back then anyway. But, <laughs> but um, I mean, it's one of those things where I want to preserve what we're doing now to the best of my, to the best of my ability. And um, it's, it's, I, I think I'm going to find, I'm going to let go of a lot of responsibility now and let whoever, whatever team we bring in, uh, let them make a couple of decisions that I wouldn't have let them make back then when I, you know, this was all I had. Now I know a little bit more. And, uh, I, I think, I think they know more than me <laughs> in, as, as far as what's going to make a band grow, uh, when I shouldn't be the forefront of it besides just being a fucking vocalist. Does that make any sense? Maybe. Yep. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Um, last question, you know, it seems like cat clothing has really kind of taken off as well, uh, since last time we talked, I know you were taking it in a different direction as far as the branding I'll say. And it seems like that has worked tremendously for you. Uh, obviously getting even now, I think you're at what, two actual retail locations at this point? Uh, not anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, yeah, we uh, we we did some things that were that were probably a good idea, but uh, we decided against them within the first like six months or so. It just uh, retail is really difficult, but retail is not necessarily difficult to make sales. That's not the hard part. I mean, yeah, of course, it's not easy, but that's not necessarily the hard part. It's keeping proper workers and and things of that nature so that's difficult but basically we're just we're trying to pick um we're trying to pick the brains of of the social aspect of it the social media aspect of it um we have a lot of friends that do this thing a lot or do that do that kind of thing full time and uh, it's still something i'm just not incredibly good at so uh the online stuff is, is, is pretty difficult, but then we're like, we're, we do, we did Warped Tour again. We did, uh, did a couple of music festivals this past year and we're doing Riot Fest soon. We're doing Lost Rages. It's, we're still doing the same mold. It's, it's, it's just one of those things where it's not my, it's not my first priority, but thankfully it does have its, it does have its ups when, when, um, when we're keeping busy right now, I'm not incredibly busy with it uh we're gonna do a couple of fests before the year is over but we'll really ramp it up again once what the fuck's that holiday called uh thanksgiving <laughs> i was gonna say black friday <laughs> yeah and once, cyber once monday friday, and all that yeah we'll, we'll ramp it up again but right now it's just like we're gonna get get rid of some old stuff and and uh we'll, we'll play the field a little bit and see what what next year brings uh we've been working on 
something with Amazon. We'll see what happens with that. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Absolute last question, other than having you plug socials and all that kind of stuff. Out of the various endeavors that you have now with a band, with a clothing uh, brand and so forth, and your career doing tour managing and all that kind of stuff, what, which one has surprised you the most as far as the successfulness of it, given the fact that all three are seemingly impossible pipe dreams for a lot of people to, to achieve and have any kind of success in in the first place? I think that I've really surprised myself when it comes to working behind the scenes with bands as a tour manager or, or merchandiser or whatever. Uh, and the reason I say that is because I literally, I was more broke than I've ever been in my life when the world we knew broke up. Um, I couldn't, I could barely pay my bills. I was kind of homeless, but not like on the streets homeless, just like I'd stay with different friends and stuff like that. I just couldn't afford to do anything as an adult. And in six years, I'm not saying I'm fucking rich. It's not, that's not the case. It's just now I don't look at price tags on the food that I eat or like the shirt that I'm going to buy, or if I need a computer, I'll buy a computer. It's like one of those situations. It's I work. You can ask anybody who knows me, whether they're a friend or, or a, um, a peer or somebody in the music industry that knows just my work ethic. I don't stop. It's so rare that I stop. I'm always on the road and it's because I want to, I want to build, you know, not only a reputation for myself, but I just, when I'm, when I'm dead and gone, I just want people to be like, Oh yeah, he was in a band. That was cool. He did really well in the band, you know, from an outside perspective, but also the kid, he just never stopped. He he worked and he worked his ass off to to do the thing that he wanted to do. I'm not trying to be rich. I'm not trying to buy fucking Lamborghinis. I'm not trying to live in a mansion. I just know that if I don't work now, when I'm a, I'm able to do so as a, a 31 year old, um, in in the way I want to work as far as the music industry goes, is that, uh, you know, there's no there's no guarantees. I don't have a fucking pension. I don't have, uh, like health insurance. Like I, I need to make that money now and work my ass off and be the hardest working person in the room now, or else I'm going to suffer later on in my life and not be able to, you know, buy diapers for so-and-so without working for, I, I call it the man working for like the outside world. This is, this is, this is a, this is a schedule that I make for myself. I choose what tours are offered to me. I don't choose the exact tours that I want to do because then I would be, you know, on the biggest and best and this, that, the other thing. But I, I get to choose what I want to do and I'm making good money doing it. But that's only because I've done it for so long and have a good reputation with, with the people that are giving me these jobs. It's not like I'm just, I'm just fucking giving hand jobs left and right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, 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 my my roommate says I'm the best roommate ever because I'm literally never here. Right. <laughs> like I, this is the first time I've taken a month off. I took uh, all of August off, and then now we're at the end of August. I'm about to leave with Pennywise next week. Um, but I took this is the first time I've taken a month off in maybe years, maybe years, and that's I just did 119 days in a row. And it's, I don't, I say that kind of shit a lot. It's like, I've been doing this for this long and this long, whatever. I don't, I don't deserve 
anything extra. I just, I want everybody to know later on when I'm dead and gone and be like, you should be, you should have worked hard because look at what that guy achieved. And I'm a, I'm a fucking high school dropout. I had zero money to my name while I was still in the band. And in six years, it's, it's, it's not like I'm, I'm living some crazy materialistic life where it shows that I'm doing really well for myself, but I know that I don't, I don't have any issues right now. And I want to maintain that for as long as I possibly can before maybe something catastrophic happens. You, you never know. It's, it's just, it's just life. You know what I mean? So if I can, if I can, if I can stay busy doing the things that I love to do and then also add other things that I love to do on top of it, AKA the world we knew or, or cat or whatever, then I'm, I'm achieving my goals. Simple as that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Where can people find you online and anything else you'd like to plug and, uh, anything else? Yeah. So, um, I'll give you something that I think only me and my guitar player know right now. I got the rights back to death dealer yesterday. That's our third record. Um, I don't know who was making money off of that for a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but as of yesterday, I got the rights back to that. So, by the time this comes out, um, if you ever buy that dealer again or stream it or whatever, um, that money goes directly to our band, which will help fund new record and, and all that fun stuff after that. Um, so that's a, that's a good plug for you right there. And, you know, all the, soul, uh, all the streaming platforms, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, all that bullshit. You, you can, if you buy music, that's awesome. You're, you're helping us a lot. Um, nobody knows that yet, which is cool. I think I I didn't even announce that online yet. Yesterday was the eighth anniversary of that record, which is cool because I got it. I I got the rights back on the eighth anniversary. Um, so we're doing that. Uh, I just released the To the Wolves vinyl two months ago, and there's only 300 made on Earth. If they magically, you know, sell out really quick or some shit like that, then maybe we'll do another, maybe in a different color or whatever. But right now, there's 300 made on Earth. If you go to any of our socials, you can find the uh, find that there. Uh, the socials are TWK Official on Instagram and Facebook. You just type in the world we knew. Uh, there's another band close with our name that was new. Don't follow that shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it's pretty simple. I'm Frank TWK. I think everywhere. Uh, Catclothing.net for if you if you like cats and you want to help build my empire. <laughs> uh, and then if you ever, if you ever, ever see me somewhere on tour with, whether it's Andy Black and your Pennywise or JID or whatever, I mean, feel free to come say, Hey, I'm very approachable. I may not look it. I may look mad all the time. <laughs> That's not the case. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty approachable guy, John, you know that I'm not a total piece of shit. No, you buy me, uh, you buy me Shirley temples whenever you see me. So <laughs> buy you a cake for your birthday. Oh, that was a good cake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you very much for taking the time. Like I said, it was kind of fitting. Like I wanted to have you back on, but I didn't necessarily know what the fuck to talk about. And you know, like I said, it's uh, I've been kind of very uh, nostalgic myself uh, with the podcast. You know, we're approaching three years of of me doing this, the transition I've gone through, and in a rebranding of sorts of doing this, and and just kind of, I mean, for fuck's sake, uh, you know, my last week has been talking to Doc Coyle again of Bad Wolves and the success that that band has had. Dude, and... it's crazy how much of a one eighty that dude 
and I don't know him personally, but he was in the same boat. His band, God forbid, was obviously a bigger band than the world we knew was, but like, God forbid, died because, you know, just times, you know, that's just what happened. And now he's in a band that's doing a million times better than they've ever done. It's like, it's crazy how that shit works out. All you really need is, is one thing to work out. And I, I, I can't stress enough. This is the word when you're coming back is not, we're not going to like, we're not, I'm telling you right now, we are not going to tour full time unless something fucking magical happens. We'll maybe tour a little bit here and there. It'll probably be like we Alexis on no, fire is what I assume. Yeah. We have no pressure whatsoever. This is 150% for fun right now. This is why we're doing this again. We can afford it. We got a bunch of really good fucking musicians to fill our, you know, our backbone. Uh, and it's, it's going to be so much fucking fun to do now without the pressure of needing it to succeed, to survive like it was when we broke up. And that's the, that's the, the one message I want to get across to whoever's listening or to fans that know us or people that don't know who we are. This now is completely, we of course want it to succeed, to, to succeed, but it's completely without pressure and for fun. So it's, I, I hope that's going to shine through when we do this again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing it. I think uh, I think it'll be interesting to to see what the time away has done for the band and and the message you're going to put out. And I mean, I think the message of this podcast still very much and the people I associate with that have become friends because of this podcast or anybody I know in the industry has still always been just hard work will always shine through and perseverance will always you know is is key. I mean, I don't get paid to do this fucking podcast. The amount of time I dump into it, doing emails and setting shit up and showing up to venues hours before anybody even gets there, all the time editing shit I didn't even know how to do, still probably don't know how to do correctly. You know, just the the relationships I've been able to make and maintain and, and have, you know, friends I've gotten because of it is shocking. Uh, all because of some stupid fucking thing I decided to do uh, for fun. And it still is. And, you know, like I said, we, you were my second guest that I've had on that, you know, aired and I, you know, just thinking about, you know, like the, your career where it's gone and the diversity that you've had on, on the tours you do and so forth and, you know, the rebrand of cat and all that kind of stuff. There are a lot of parallels and thinking about it, you know, as we're approaching 200 episodes of this podcast, which will be over 200 by the time you hear this, but it's just been interesting to kind of how, in a very minuscule way, how much your what you've done and what I do have kind of paralleled. Like it's like Cat was one thing initially, and and I liked it when it was that. But it's interesting to see that you were like, this is only going to go so far. So let's kind of rebrand it because of the limited, not rebrand, but kind of relaunch what it is and where we're going to take it and see how much further and more successful it's going to be just by slightly shifting perspective. And you did that in with the band thing, like the band thing didn't work, but instead of completely abandoning your dream job of working in the music industry and so forth, you shifted perspective and were offered an opportunity and realized that it would probably be more advantageous for you to still do that and look at how far you've come now at this point. And so it's just as a whole, I, I always enjoy kind of getting to talk to you in this capacity because I feel like, it's there's more to you than I think people realize and something that I kind of was immediately drawn to about you as a person is just that that tenacity to never give up on something and a lot of it is a little bit fear-based initially but I think even still now that you've enjoyed some success uh, fi financially I'll say that it hasn't shifted your 
drive and attitude to want to be the best you can be and the and just the hustle and and I've always admired that about you and I and it's something I admire about a lot of the people in the industry that I know and are considered friends because it drives me to do this thing when I want to give up and be like dude this fucking sucks sending 60 fucking emails over the course of a year and almost a, a year and a half to get one fucking person on but then you do it and you're like god damn it that's exactly why I fucking did it because it was fucking rad and holy shit I feel like you go through that probably all the time with what you do. And so, I mean, just I'm glad. Thank you for coming on and doing this again. And like I said, I know this is heavily nostalgia rap for both of us, but I just uh, wanted to have you on and, and kind of do it again because I always walk away feeling very uh, motivated to, to keep doing stuff. So, No, man. I mean, if <clears throat> if if uh, – what's the right words I want to use for this? If, if we all just gave up when a couple of people said no – you and I wouldn't be talking right now. You know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things that it always sucks. There's nothing ever. Well, I, I can't say nothing. It usually doesn't go your way on the first go. You know, when I say you, when I say you, I mean people, people in general. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't stress enough that, I mean, I'm, I'm on this February is my 14th, 14th year touring. And, for some odd reason, I say odd because, you know, it, it's always over a course of time. For some odd reason, it's, it's just going in the right direction. And if the world we knew goes in the right direction again, fucking awesome. Uh, so it's just, if you don't stop doing what it is that you want to do, but also growing while you're doing it, then you're probably, you know, you're, you're just, your persistence will pay off is basically the, is the, is the name of the game as far as I've been concerned. So that was my uh, interesting chat with Frank. Um, you know, the time I did that podcast, you know, I've been wanting to have Frank on for a little bit. Um, I think he is one of those people that has just been so motivating uh, on a lot of levels, you know, between his clothing brand, you know, at that point, you know, kind of getting into an actual retail space and not just being an online store uh, with him getting his band back together, all the successes that he's had in his tour managing career and so forth as of late. I mean, shit, he just finished up uh, <laughs> the last couple of tours he did was J.I.D., Andy Black, uh, Blackfield Brides, like on his solo run. Uh, he then did, and that JID is like hip hop and basically sold out every fucking date of the tour. Then he went to the Andy Black uh, tour, did an overseas tour, was on the Rockstar Disruptor tour uh, for a little bit, and then basically did Pennywise Rancid, went back to a JID Logic tour, which was playing in uh, small arenas. And went back, finished a Pennywise uh, Bronx tour, and you know it's just he's he's ending his year with the world we knew, and it's like the dude. You know, if you go back and listen to that first interview, which was one of the first interviews that ever happened on this podcast, you know, Frank is inspiring in spite of the fact that you know a lot of us in high school didn't know what we wanted to do, and you know we were just telling those stories in the intros about you know us being in bands and driving ten plus hours to get paid nothing, and. Frank did that, like, you know, in the beginning of his high school career and was like, that's what I want to do and fucking quit school to go in all in on himself. 
And that's just the kind of dude that he's always been since I've known him. And, you know, it's going to be really weird. You know, I, I know I mentioned it in the interview that I, I've never seen Frank and I don't know Frank as being a vocalist or being the front man of a band and I've never seen him perform. And so um, it'll be very interesting to, to see this different side of him and basically the side of him that got him to how I know him now. Um, I know that there are probably a lot of people that that's not how they're going to see the show and, and not look at it, but it's, I'm really interested to see this, this different side of somebody who I've, I've long admired and respected for the career they've carved out. Yeah, for sure. And you know, just the history, um, the history that he's had with this podcast too. Yeah. He was, I think the second guest we'd had. Yep. Which as of when we're recording, I actually, yeah, last Saturday as of when we're recording would have been the day of that release. So three years ago, last Saturday. Insane. Yeah. This podcast is three years old, man. It's weird to, to kind of see that. And at that point, we, you and I had just wrapped up our 200th episode. So there was just a lot of nostalgia wrapped up in, in doing this chat. And, you know, it was funny because we went to end it and then ended up chatting for like another 30 more minutes. And I, I yeah. almost cut that out. But I was like, nah, fuck it. Like, keep that in. That's real. That's honest. That's sincere. That's the kind of friendship I think Frank and I have grown to have where it's like you and I, and I hope people have people like that in their lives. Like, you know, it's funny, you, you know, will sit there and, and say sometimes on this show and, and even on discography discussion, like, man, John just is like always going. But yep. then I look at what you're doing and you have, you literally have like seven or eight podcasts. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I, I may be very passionate and, and do this one. I don't know if I'd have enough to like come up with other ideas and content for five or six other shows. Well, you know, it's not, honestly, I just, I'll have an idea and and five minutes and it's one of those like i just figure i'll just throw this out here and see how it goes and then you know we'll throw something out there and then somebody be like oh i like that are you guys gonna do more of that and it's like yeah i mean i guess so i think i think for me you know i was only doing the one podcast when i met you so uh you know i think i think it was mainly um <laughs> I, I think it was mainly you know i gotta i gotta try to keep up like i i was kind of slacking at that time and was like man i gotta i gotta start really stepping it stepping it up and 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 doing a little bit more and it's a little bit easier for me than it is for you too because like you have like everything that you do relies on somebody else at the very least even even like me to come and do the intros or and outros and and sometimes interviews and stuff you know uh whereas with me i can just kind of sit down and just do it because i don't necessarily have to have somebody there Right. Um, in order to do some of those podcasts. Like I just did a I just did like a two hour interview like by myself. Like I literally called the guy and was like, Yeah, let's just do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So uh yeah, I just try not to I just try not to slack, man, because uh, I can't have you out doing me over there. It's uh it's been it's been a really weird week too. Uh as of when we're recording this, the the Doc Coyle episode, which at this point will have been weeks old, uh man, that just surprisingly i guess unsurprisingly it seems like for as much as you and i sit there and like talk about a band and we're like ah probably no one gives a fuck about this like we do and then yeah all the sites pick up on it and you're like and then you see hundreds of comments and it gets shared you know maybe a couple hundred times and all this kind of stuff and you're just like fuck man like you know for doc being like oh i don't know people give a shit and i kind of have low confidence that if we were to get back together and do a show anyone would care and it's like you know we joked about the the opposite of december show that's happening and will probably sell out quickly my chemical romance is coming back rage against machines coming back thursday came back like all these bit the world we knew is coming back like so many bands are coming back and i think you know even with the world we knew shows like they're playing small clubs but i I mean, I I would dare say by the time the shows happen day of, like both those shows will probably sell out. 
And it's one of those yeah. things that I don't think it matters, quote unquote, how big the band is. I think if if the band was genuine enough and left an impact with people where, you know, they still care, I think that's all that matters. And I think God forbid was way too important to a lot of people for that band if they were to decide to get to back together and play a show. I there's I don't see how that show is not gonna sell out. Yeah, I think I think it's gonna be great. It, it, for as much as he wanted to be like, Oh no, you know, nobody cares. Like, dude, come on. I think he was just being, um, I don't know, polite <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I definitely am interested to see. I'm interested to see what reunions we get. I mean, there's so many records turning, you know, 10, 20, 25 years old and so forth. So at this point, I'm just I'm ready for all the nostalgia to come. Uh, you know, at at one point, you know, it's it turns into a thing where you couldn't see the band on certain records anymore because you were, you know, a struggling young twenty something, you know, having to pay rent and bills and all that kind of stuff. And now we're in the the you know the prime of our lives where hey, you know, like maybe I can afford to go randomly to a place and go see a show because I have some extra money. Or worst case, I have a credit card. I can go put that on and pay for future happiness down the road. (laughs) There you go. All that being said, uh, what are you drinking tonight? Water. Ooh. What kind are you? Are you, uh, you cold, warm, lukewarm? Cold tap water. Okay. It's hard water too, so I'm gonna probably die sooner than you. I, I, I think I read this somewhere, but it is probably one of the most true things when you really think about it. You're like, holy fuck, that makes so much sense. And it was whatever temperature water is, that's how it tastes. I agree. And I was like, and I started to be like, that's so fucking stupid. And then I thought about it and I was like, that's really profound. Like, cause ice cold water tastes completely different than like room temperature water. Totally. But it's all the same thing. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, unless it's got like minerals or something, like something, something added into it. Cause like there, there's definitely like more like mineral based waters that I think uh, actually have their own distinct taste regardless of temperature. Yeah. But then there's the reverse osmosis water we all drink out of water bottles that all basically has no taste at all. So, yeah, all you can all you can really taste is the temperature. Yeah. Uh, currently, though, I am drinking some Bean Bastard coffee that I got. I uh, have the Mom Blend, and uh, it's pretty solid. I honestly, like, I'm not the biggest coffee fan. I think the only one I wasn't really super big into was the, the Robo Cup. Uh, one that they had, but everything mm-hmm. else I've had, I really enjoy. Um, so I did see that my favorite blend is back. The shitter's full. Right after I, <laughs> right after I bought all my coffee, they bring it back, and then they run a promotional code. Uh, if you or a promotion, uh, if you buy three bags of coffee, you get a fourth for free. Uh, I wish I would have known that and waited like a week, because then I could have gotten my favorite blend, and I could have gotten it for free because I bought three bags of coffee. <laughs> so right. Uh, if you would like to pick up some uh, some delicious coffee, head over to the Bean Bastard. I'm actually burning my uh, uh, it's an espresso Bean Bastard uh, soy wax candle right now, so I'm just all steeped and immersed in coffee coffeeness uh, over here. All of that being said, let's uh, wrap up this episode. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Frank and The World We Knew, you can find The World We Knew on Facebook at The World We Knew, Instagram at TWWK Official. And they don't have a Twitter, so maybe by the time the show ends and all that shit, maybe they'll have one. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Frank, uh, you can find him on Facebook under his name. Just simply look on the show notes and you'll see his name or look on the screen. Uh, if you'd like to find him on Instagram, it is FrankTWWK, and Twitter is FG Finelli. So bug him. He, uh... He's a good follow on a lot of things. He posts interesting shit from his time on the road. Uh... You might see him out on the road with Amir uh, once their new record drops and so forth. Uh, usually that's one of the bands he's out with. Um, 
Dude's always on the road. Go check him out. He loves boobs. He doesn't drink, so buy him all the Shirley Temples. Um, (laughs) But solid dude. I'm glad to have him back on the podcast. Can't wait to see him uh, rip it up with his friends. And uh, for Metal Nexus, if you'd like to keep up with them, MetalNexus.net, Facebook, Metal Nexus, Instagram, Metal.Nexus, Twitter, Metal underscore Nexus. And Dan will tell you where he can be found. I can be found on Facebook under Daniel Terry. I can be found on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. And I think I can be found other places. Oh, yeah, I've got another podcast or 20 or something like that over at DiscussMetal.com. You can also send me an email at DiscussMetalDan at gmail.com, and I will probably respond to it. <laughs> and if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, you can find us simply enough, Bruce Speak Pod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Check out our YouTube channel. We have one of those. Sometimes there are videos. You can check those out, too. If you would like to uh, support us monetarily, you can do such over at patreon.com slash brewspeakpod. If you would like to support us non-monetarily, you can simply rate, review, subscribe. Uh, It's a thing that we always suggest you do. Uh, Some of you, I guess, have been doing it because we broke into the top 100 on Stitcher's podcasts uh, charts. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Uh, We broke into the top 100 on Australian iTunes charts, so thank you, Aussies. And uh, actually got tagged on Instagram today. Um from a, a person who was stoked that uh, his favorite podcasts uh, all had new episodes, and we were in with the Lamb Goat podcast, Justice podcast, and then it was us. So, I mean, that's pretty esteemed uh, company to be a part of. Uh, I, I think some people are too kind, and to say that we're, you know, ranked right up there with some of those other podcasts is those are podcasts that I think you and I actively listen to. So, it's, oh, yeah. It's weird to be considered among those. Um, I always think it's weird, man. I'm always like, are you sure? Like, <laughs> But uh, it's one of those things that it's greatly appreciated. I'm definitely feeling the love all the way around. Like I said, this episode was kind of steeped in nostalgia. So uh, all the support is greatly appreciated. Looking to end the year on a strong note, and uh, every little bit helps. Uh, so thank you to anyone and everyone who has listened to this, shared this, whatever you do. Continue to do that. Uh, we enjoy doing this podcast and bringing it to you every week. Uh, and for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I'm John. And I am Dan. We will talk to you all next time.